Well, we are in a new series, and the series is called Welcome Home. And, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but before I do, I want to read you two scripture verses that I think are going to frame up the context of what we're going to talk about for the next couple weeks. The first is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And it says, Those minds whose minds the, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Basically what that means is, I don't want you to get all tongue-tied and twisted, but what this means is that believers who are not submitted, people who are not submitted to the Lord do not see the way God sees. That's just it. Have you ever looked at the lost and said, how come they don't get this? How come they don't do that? Have you ever thought, just anybody, like, well, you know, you think, oh, I grew up through the 80s, so Columbine happened when I was growing up. And do you ever see a situation and go, why would anybody do that? Why would anybody act that way? Why would anybody be that vindictive? Why would anybody be that cruel? Why would anybody, you, you ever look at people and go, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, do you have any family that you ever look at and you're like, something ain't right. Here's the thing that I want you to see is that as believers, we, we actually think differently and our minds have been open to what God wants to download. Non-believers, and it's not good or bad, we're not better and they're not worse, but I'm just letting you know, non-believers don't think like God. So to hold a non-believer accountable to the word will only frustrate you. It will only frustrate you. Well, they need to know. Well, they don't know. Well, they need to act different. Well, they can't. Why? Because those minds, the God of this age has blinded the enemy do, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who the image of God should shine upon them. In other words, if God doesn't shine upon them and they don't come and submit to the Lord, then they can't see what God sees. Look at this next verse. And this is a, this is a good one. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So in one verse, we see that those who are not saved and submitted to Jesus cannot see what God sees. But on this verse, we see God's heart for people, and it is come. Come all of you who are heavy and laden. You, you, you need some rest. Come because I've got something for you. I want to help you. I want to go on a journey with you. I don't know about you, but I love a good party. Anybody like parties? Come on, I see your Instagram. I know you do. You know what I'm saying? Get out there, moving. You know, I got you. I love the cheering, hanging. I, I, I love laughing. I love enjoying good company. Over the last 20 years, Katie and I have uh, had the pleasure of doing a lot of weddings. And so uh, we do different weddings. And, it, and it's so fun as I look over the wedding crowd. And, and everybody's having such a good time. And I can see in the family and the friends this great delight. You know, as, you know what I'm saying, the limbo's getting ready to come, and, you know, Grandpa probably shouldn't, but he does, and, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and then they start getting the, the music playing, and, you know, everybody's line dancing, and, and, and you know, back, front. And I love a party. I love a party. And, and, and just to let you know, I had a party planned 
Uh, I was really looking forward to the Dallas Cowboys being in the Super Bowl. And, uh, but sadly, what I did is I just postponed that to next year. So I want to go ahead and get that on your calendar right now so that you know we, we just delayed it. We pushed it back. That's what we did. I like a party. And, and you know what? Father God likes to party. He, he likes to have a party. And here's when he throws a party. And here's how he throws a party. Because the reality is there ain't no party. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the one God can throw. And, and can I tell you this? What makes God throw a party? How does God, what, what's, when does he schedule a party? The Bible is very clear and it tells us that when a lost person gets saved, heaven begins to erupt and it turns out for the one who just came from darkness into light. It turns out for that. And I want to read this. I want to read you a, a scripture verse as we break down the gospel message here today. The simple answer is that God loves you and has a plan for your life. And over the next three weeks, we want to use the Welcome Home series to break down the gospel so that those who are new to church can have a clear understanding of the heart of God. It is the message and the heart of God to bring people into the home and say, Welcome home. Look at this verse real quick. Let's look at this. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 7. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in, in the wilderness and go after the one, come on somebody, which is lost until he finds it. Then, he, when he has found it, he lays it on the shoulders, their, his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice for me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 just persons who need no repentance. What I'm trying to show us here, and I know that if you were here last week, we talked a little bit about tax collectors, but I want to break this down so that we understand this. As a, a young person reading this text, I couldn't understand why would you leave 99 for one? Because when you leave one, then they scatter and then you got more to look for. So I'm like, one is an acceptable casualty, 99, you're still making money, let's just keep the 99 and go on. But that's not the heart of the Father. Yeah. That's not the heart of the Father. And, and I want to talk a little bit. The key to this verse, the key to all of this, is when at the very beginning in the first chapter, and so we're going to do three uh, messages on Welcome Home. And we're going to walk through Luke chapter 15, the whole chapter. As we talk about this, the key to everything that we're going to be talking about is the, the, the conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees. And he begins to, to talk with them and they begin to complain and murmur. And, and, and they're looking at the way Jesus is acting and they cannot believe what he's doing. It says that, that as we looked at this, Luke 
chapter 15, I'm just going to read you this verse. Then the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. See, for us to really understand, we have to go back to the culture. So I'm fixing to take you back. Back to old school, okay? Back to 80 AD. <laughs> 80 AD. What does that look like? The Roman Empire is huge. Right now, if we were to put it in modern terms, the Roman Empire back in 80 AD was equivalent of 48 different countries right now in the modern world. 48 different countries. Rome was big. It was huge. It was vast. And, and to take care of that society, they had to have a huge army. They had, so, so around that time, they had 600,000 soldiers to police this army, this, this area. And so, you know, like right now, if someone comes and attacks us, we like hit a button. Dead. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's over. But, but if some rebellion started, if something happened in a city, you know, word got, I don't know, by pigeon, you know what I'm saying, all the way to the Rome, Roman officials, and then they said, oh no, there's a, a, a war breaking out over here. All right, get everybody together. Ten months later, ha, you know what I'm saying? We don't even understand that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to send a drone. We're going to send a missile defense system. You know what I'm saying? We're going to, like, put something to your cell phone, blow up dead. You know what I'm saying? But, right, they had none of that technology. You understand what I'm saying? There were no cars, no trains, horses. Okay? It, it was just a totally different culture. So they had to have a huge army to take care and keep people in check. That's why they used tax collectors, because the tax collectors helped pay for the army. To keep everybody right. And if you couldn't pay, then they would sell your kids into slavery. They would take your home. And so when the Jewish culture, see a tax collector was always from that area. So that they knew the area. And so basically they were saying, why are you hanging out with someone who is enslaving us? who is building an army to, to keep us captive? Why are you hanging out with this person who manipulates and steals from us? We cannot understand that. Who is Jesus that you would walk over there and be compassionate about? Have you ever, and, I, and we're just talking, we're just going to be real, all of us, we're just going to be real, real. Have you ever wanted God to just give someone I mean, don't say it out loud. This is a live cast. Okay, y'all going to have to step it up a little bit because now we're live. But have you ever just wanted God to, God, I don't want you to hurt him bad. Just kind of, just kind of, you know what I'm saying? Maybe lose a pinky. I don't, I'm not, I don't I want them to still function. I just kind of, you know, nick or something. Just let them know you're real, God. Just kind of shake them, but don't break them. You know what I just want... Here's the thing, is that Jesus' heart is to bring in those that are broken and those that are lost. The key to this verse is that there were two groups of people and the outcasts were moving near and wanted to sit and be taught and wanted to transform and change their mind and their heart while the people who knew, come on, the people who knew how to act 
church folk. The people who had taken the theology course online. The, things, the people who know how to exegete scripture. The people who know hermeneutics. The people who know what's right and what's wrong. See, here's the deal, church is I don't want to have a church of people that don't draw near. I don't want to have a church that, that, that knows it all, that I've been to church so much that I can sing a song, but I never connect with Christ. I can listen to a sermon, and you know what? It's good moral teaching. It helps me live a little better, but I'm not really connecting with Christ, and I'm not bringing my all to Him, and I'm not saying, teach me, change me, move me, transform me. See, that's why in worship, that's why we lift our hands. That's why you'll hear us clap. That's why, come on, I, I like even when I'm speaking. That's good. That's right. That's, I, I want us to be involved because here's the deal. I, this is not, I want to give you a lecture <laughs> on how to be a better person. And so the goal for your life is to cuss less. Okay. That's not the goal. The goal is that you draw near and you let Jesus' concepts totally transform and change your outlook. That's the goal. That's the goal. Oh, church, I hope we never get to the place where we're sitting in judgment over who can be saved and who cannot be saved. Are we good enough? Do we know enough? Well, I've been to enough church. I grew up in church. I know... Well, I don't need to go to a life group. I mean, I can, I can, I have friends. How can your friend quota be full right now? Come on, listen. The reality is this. As we are growing, we're drawing near, and we are the ones that keep laying down our pride, our offense, our, our position, our title, our intimidation. We lay that down. I've heard people say, well, if I, go to the, if I go to that church, the walls will fall down. <laughs> Have you ever heard anybody say something like that? Well, I can't go there because, you know, th th if they knew what I've done. You're the one we want. We want someone hungry, jacked up, messed up, don't know anything. Because, listen, the hunk, come on, I, my wife loves to cook. And you know what really bothers her is when I'm already full and she's prepared. You feel what I'm saying? But when we have scheduled and she has cooked and I come hungry, come on, her effort, what she wants to impart into me is received with gladness. <laughs> and we have communicated and I have not swung by Whataburger before she makes this, this moment, this presentation. You hear what I'm saying? As a church, we can't be full of everything else and miss what God wants to deposit yeah, in right. to us. I have four keys that I want to talk about that will help you get home. Four keys really quick that I think will help you get home. The first is this, is there is no way back without Him. Listen, we live in a culture where everything is subjective. Everything is, is whatever you think. There are no absolutes. There, there is no, there's nothing objective. And so in this culture, what makes Christianity different than any other religion? And, and here's the deal. We live in a culture where whatever seems right for you is okay and whatever seems right. But can I tell you, listen, there are not many ways to God 
There is one, and it is through Christ. Well, Stephen, that's very intolerant. How dare you say that? Well, here's the deal. You may view that as intolerant, but I view it as love because if I don't tell you and inform you the way God said to come and I keep you from it, then I sentence you to hell. See, here's the deal. My son can go, come into the kitchen, and I can turn on the stove, and it's gleaming red hot. And he goes, Dad, I'm going to touch the stove. Son, don't touch the stove. If you do, it'll burn. Dad, why are you holding me back? Dad, you are so intolerant. <laughs> How dare you keep me from doing what I want to do? If I want to touch the stove. <laughs> Come on, circle, hips, flare. Who are you to stop me? I can do whatever I want. Then I will say, baby, touch the stove. <laughs> but you'll only do it once. See, here's the deal. Love is letting people know that there is a way that seems right, but that way ends in destruction. This is the way. Walk ye in it. This is all Bible. As a Christian, we've got to make sure Listen, there are three distinct ways that, our, that Christianity is different than every, any other religion. Three distinct ways. The first is when you accept Christ, there is an assurance of salvation. Any other religion, there is no assurance. You have to work. You have to go here. You have to make a pilgrimage. You have to do this. You have to do that. And at the end, you may get in, but you don't really know until you die. What? <laughs> I mean, when I don't go buy a car, I want to drive it. I want to test drive. I'm fixing to take that to my mechanic. We're fixing to have some dialogue. And when I buy it, I'm going to know what I'm going to get. But in, in, in a man-made religion, see, man is about work, and it's work-based. And so it doesn't matter what it is, you have to do enough to make whoever accept you. One is based on work and the other is based on compassion. One is what have you done for me lately and the other one is I sent my son for you. That's how we're different. The next one is this. Other religions have a system of rules to appease their God. When Christianity is about relationship with God. The third is that no other religion has had anybody raised from the dead. We have an empty tomb. And we have 500 witnesses that observed Jesus up from the tomb, walking around. We're not the same. And so if we act like we're the same, then we're not. We've got to know we're different. Not. Here's the thing. The problem is when we get immature people who think different is superior. See, as we go through this today, you're going to learn and you're going to see through Scripture that we were all lost. We were all lost. 
We were all lost. You can't get back without him. So here is the thing. I'm going to take you back to, to, to Genesis. So here's what happened. Adam and Eve were put in the garden. God said, you can have all of this. Create. Y'all make babies. Okay. Have fun. That tree right over there. Don't eat that tree. Don't eat that tree. And so the serpent came and began to tempt Eve. Hey, you, you, you know, you know, going, it's shiny. <laughs> it's tasty. Go over there. Go, go. You, hey, take Adam. Y'all go over there. Y'all eat it together. So that way nobody's wrong. And they rebelled against God. And God said, don't do it. And they did it. And we are in a very much of a culture where nobody can tell me what to do. But can I tell you this? The reason that God sets parameters is for your freedom. Yes. It's for your freedom. See, the, listen, listen. I'm not trying to be old school. I'm just telling you the way it is. The reason that we don't do sex before marriage is because there will be a soul tie without commitment. Oh, I can't go there. Listen, you hear what I'm saying? That's why God instituted marriage in a certain way. Because when you cut covenant with someone, there is a bond now between you and them. And even though you may have left physically, you're still there spiritually. See, God doesn't want you to go, you can't have that, you can't have that, you can't have that. World is fun. Christians are boring. <laughs> God wants us free. Free. Come on. Come on. Listen, people may act like, oh man, they're having such a good time. And I can tell you, don't ever let anybody tell you that sin is not fun. Sin is fun. It's fun for a season. But there's a day that that party stops. There's a day that the music stops. There's a day that that person, your, your friends, you know, my, friend, my friends will be with me till the end. Listen, all I can tell you is this. It's very, very important that we understand there is no way to get back without him. Look at this. Here's what God, when Adam and Eve fell, here's what God did. And the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Where are you? Not, I can't believe what's wrong. That's it. I'm shutting everything down. Listen, I blew breath into you. I can take it out of you. No, that's not what God did. That's not what God did. God came into the garden and he said, Adam, where are you? See, we're supposed to be here. We were walking together. I was downloading into your spirit. I was connecting with you. And now you are absent. And now you are moved and removed. And you're hiding from the very one that can speak life and purpose into your life. God was not asking, where are you? Because Adam, God didn't know. God's everywhere. He's before it and after it. The reason that God asked, where are you? is because he wanted Adam to know. Where are you at? Where are you? The next verse that I want you to see, Genesis, I mean, Genesis 3, 21. And so Adam and his wife, the Lord God, made tunics of skin and clothed them. Here's the thing. Does this sound like a God that, 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 that doesn't give anybody chances? Does this sound like a God that doesn't want to live and move in compassion? The reality is this, that Adam and Eve sinned and God sacrificed an animal and, 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 and that blood covered Adam and Eve. 
And here's what happened. God made clothing for Adam and Eve. Because God created them. They were all walking around naked in the garden. I know, some of y'all thinking pictures. Stop it. Okay? <laughs> listen, they were around. They didn't even know they were naked. Now, I don't know about you, but listen, I don't have an MBA. I don't have a doctorate, but I know when people are naked. I know that. <laughs> you walk by me naked, I know. I just know. I, I just, what? You know what I'm saying? Listen, the reality is this, is that they tried to clothe themselves. You can go read it. They put leaves, and they tried to cover themselves. And listen, I see people all the time trying to cover themselves, covering their insecurity, covering their brokenness. And you know what? We try to, we face, we face. Oh, yes, brother, I'm doing great. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Covered. <laughs> You had a terrible week. It was, you, you, you cried half the week. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're mad at your family. Your family's mad at you. They want you to move back. You feel like you're supposed to be here, but we... <laughs> everything's fine. <laughs> the reality is this. We kind of cover ourselves. But here's what God wanted Adam and Eve to know. You, you can't cover yourself. You can, I know Dr. Phil is great, and he's got some great concepts, but his concepts cannot cover you. You understand? You can read all the books you want. Malcolm Gladwell, Tipping Point. You can read all the books that you want. But better training does not cover sin. Better habits. Well, if I do this and I don't do this and I wake up this and I read seven books and I understand that, you're covering yourself. But here's what God said. God said, I am going to cover you. I'm going to take care of your nakedness. I'm going to take care of your shame. See, when I cover you, you won't be shameful anymore. And so we got way too many people dealing with shame and not letting God cover them. See, when the shepherd goes to find the sheep, you need to know this. There was no way for the shepherd, the sheep to come back. The shepherd goes and gets the sheep and brings the sheep back. The next thing. And the topic of what I'm talking about is this, that you're never forgotten. You're never forgotten. You're never forgotten. I don't know. The second point that I want to make is this. Lost is never good. Lost is never good. I don't know if you've ever lost anything or you've forgotten anything. But I just read a study of 2,000, there was a study done with 2,000 adults. And I'm going to give you the top 10 things that people forget, that people lose, okay? The first one, number 10, I'm going to 10 to 1. Number 10 is, and this may be you, if it is, you know, where is my car parked? Come on, come on. Is that, is that anybody? Is that anybody? Can I get a... Listen, the last couple years, I got to be honest. I, I'm glad I have kids because they're like, Dad, we're over here. And I'm like, I'm just stretching. <laughs> you know? I know. I know where, I know where I'm. I'm grown. Number nine, responding to that email. Come on. You went to respond to the email. Your mom's emailed you seven times now. You meant to. Birthdays or anniversaries. Come on. Yeah. How many times Facebook has saved your life? <laughs> hey, Mom, happy birthday. I was just waiting until I saw Facebook. People's names. Come on, you forget people's names. Defrost the meat. How many of y'all wanted to cook something and you realized it's an ice cube? 
Come on, moms, can I get a, can I get a, yeah. Um, you go to the grocery store, and, and, and anybody ever go to the grocery store and forget the one item they were meant to go get? Like, oh, I bought, I bought chips and Coke, I bought all this other stuff, which I guess all you did. Uh, number four, this is starting to happen to me. It's, uh, why did you go into that room? Like, you went into the room, you're like... I'll be back. <laughs> Number three, purse or wallet. Come on. How many of y'all, you can't find your purse, can't find wallet. Number two, phone, phone. Number one, if you know it, keys. Come on, where are my keys? Listen, when the Bible refers to lost, what, what, what does that mean? When you think of lost or lost people, what does that mean? Ephesians 2.1 says this. Look at this. Ephesians 2.1 says this, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. What this means is, look at this, that we were dead spiritually, not alive, but we were dead spiritually in our sin and in our trespasses. But God is the one who made us alive again. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. And you can just go there. I'm, I'm not going to read that one. But, but the, what it basically talks about is that there is a way that Gentiles walk. And Gentiles were people who were not believers. Their mind wasn't right. They were in darkness. Here's what I want to let you know. Is that it's important for you to know that lost is never good. Because if you're lost, what that means is you're spiritually dead. You're cut off from the Lord. You're, dark, you're darkened in your understanding. And you've rejected God. Well, I don't feel like I've rejected God. Uh, I, I, have, I have come up to my kids when they have rebelled against me. And they never go, I still love you. I just don't want to do what you want me to do. Hey, don't eat that cookie. Dad. You're my boy. <laughs> I love you. I think you're incredible. But you're not listening to me. Oh, yeah, yeah don't worry about that. If you died, I'd cry. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? The reality is this. If rebellion is where you don't do it the way God says to do it. Because His way is right, and it will free you. It will free you. Listen, the second one is lost is never good. The third. The third is He's on the way. What you need to know is He's on the way. I know the first one was like, man, there's no way back without Him. And the second one is lost is never good. But the third is this, is that He is on the way. He is on the way. Hey, make sure she knows about that room right there. Yeah. Okay, listen, he is on the way. And we've got to make sure that we understand. Listen, this story, it does, it takes the shepherd time. It takes the shepherd energy. And maybe you're here and you've wandered off. And can I tell you that each story that we're going to deal with, sometimes we wander off. Sometimes we, don't, we look around and we're like, I don't even want to be the person I am. I don't want to act this way. I don't want to respond this way. I can feel the luggage and baggage of, of choices and other people's hurt and what they've done. 
I don't even want to be where I'm at. And, and what I've seen is people wander off. But you need to know this. Even if it was on you or it was on somebody else, he is on, come on somebody, he is on the way. He is on the way. There is a plan in mind to restore you. He is thinking about you. He is on the way. He is excited to find you, and he cannot wait to call the neighbors because he found you. I can't wait for heaven to start rejoicing. They're about to break up in a praise, I'm telling y'all, because he is on the way. He is on the way. Isn't it interesting that God calls us sheep? I don't know how I feel about that. You know, when, when we were uh, having our kids, we were thinking about what school we wanted our kids to go to. And I was just adamant. Katie and I were talking about different schools, and they all have different, you know, mascots or whatever. And I was like, we ain't going to no bunny school. I'm telling you that right now. The fighting rabbit. I mean, I'm just like, we're gonna have, there's going to have to be something, you know, a little substantial. You know, when I went to school, you know, I went to school in Waco, and so we had the Baylor Bears. You know what I'm saying? Sick them was the best and we did sick them. And now I, 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 love, I like the hogs. I call the hogs. I like them. But it's a little suey. And I'm, I'm, I want a sick more than I want a suey. I just, I'm just saying. And so our kids go to the Blackhawks. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. If I come down and peck you, we'll peck you to, ah. Don't mess with us. We fly high and aim low, baby. Sheep. I don't know what to tell you. What's the defensive mechanism for a sheep? You know what I'm saying? Does the sheep like, and maybe it's because I've watched too many Pixar movies with my children, but I can just see like sheep butt and wolf and like, come on, get your, you can't get my skin. Come on, I, I, don't, I don't know what the. Like, like how do you walk proud? I'm a sheep dog. But the, the reality is this, is there's not any defense mechanism for a sheep because sheep need a shepherd. I know you want to be a shark. I know you, I, I wanted to be like a dinosaur. Okay, I wanted to be a monkey with fangs. But you're a sheep, and a sheep need a shepherd. And can I tell you that there will be times that you will stray off. But if you want to get where you're supposed to be, where you're free to be, who God's called you to be, you're going to need some instruction and you're going to need someone to lead you. And that is God. Come on, that is God. Is this good? Listen, he's on the way. He's on the way. Isaiah 53, 6 says, For we are all like sheep. We have gone astray. And so here's the thing, is the religious people... When Jesus went over there to minister to the tax collector and sinner, here was the real issue. The religious people didn't know that that was them. All of us are sheep, and we've all gone astray. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of your heart, and he knocks. He, he is the way to God. As we start thinking about this, Jesus doesn't see a million. He sees one. And he sees you. And God's got a plan for your life. And he cares about you. This, this week, we've had two major political issues. We had the March for Life. And can I just tell you, as a Christian, we are for life. Yeah. We are for life. We are for life. And I know, oh, man, you can't talk about that. It's political. Listen, 
everything God creates works, and man tries to take what God creates and manipulates it. So it was ours before it was theirs. That's all I'm going to say. Life, God is always for life. And I'm going to say this even about the refugees. God is for their life. God is for their life. God, we are for life. We are for life. We, we want people to win. Christianity is not against Muslims. We are not. Now, remember, work, compassion. We want to see that. I want to see, I want to see them say, I want to see God come in. I want to see them walk in freedom. I want to see them move from, from, from an, an environment that obviously you, we can read history. I want to see God do something in their life. And so some of you, you know, I know there's a lot of news outlets going on, and don't get it, don't get it twisted. The reality is the Christian is to show charity. The Christian is to show charity. But government is protection, and that's what it was set up to do. And so now here's what we're going to do. We have this 90-day. In 90 days, we need to see what's going to happen and how we're going to help people. We're going to help people. That's what we want to do. As a church, as, as believers, we help people. That's where we land. Now, the reality is this. God cares about life. Right. And I know there are a thousand reasons why we need to dialogue that situation. But I'm telling you this. If our nation could understand the value of life, then it would change the game for our nation our low-income areas, our high-income, and it's not just low-income poverty. I see a lot of people who make a lot of money that think that they are somewhere else and everybody else is beneath them. Oh, yes. Do you see what I'm saying? We are for life. Yes. We are for life. The last thing I'm going to say is this, is that we got to surrender. we got to surrender. And so as we talk about this, listen, we talked about four ways that we get back home. First is there's no way back but him. Second is loss is never good. Third is he's on the way. And the fourth is surrender. Can I tell you that at the end of this, and when Jesus says something, it's never random and it's never just the, out of his mind, just kind of just talking. Now for me, there may be times that I just talk. Most of the time I try to be strategic. But, but there are times and I'll just like, blah, blah, blah. and the first time you heard it was the first time I heard it. You feel what I'm saying? But Jesus knew in his first miracle, it was at a party and he turned water into wine. And Jesus' mother came to him and said, hey, can, can you help me out? And he said, it's not my time. When he died on a cross, he said, it is finished. Jesus had a timetable, and this dude was Microsoft to the tilt. You understand what I'm saying? Scheduled, regimented, and he knew where he was supposed to be. And if he put in the story, I found the sheep, and I took it, I put it over my shoulder, I carried it back to where it needs to be. I guess I'm done. Here's what I want you to know. You have to surrender. We got way too many people that want to be found, but want to do life their own way. 
If you want to be found and you want to come back, you've got to rest, come on, on the shoulders of the Savior. And you've got to let God work. Some of us, come on, we've got to let God do the work that God wants to do in our lives because it will take us to another place. It will help us. We will change. Let God work. Look at someone and say, let God work. Listen, the truth is we've got to surrender all of our ideas and thoughts. Surrender is hard. You don't think it's hard. You don't think that sheep wants to. But it's got to rest and it's got to give up because you're fighting where you can be blessed. You were alone. You were in darkness. At any point, you could have been scavenged. You could have been meat. Someone could have attacked you. But God is carrying you back to the fold where you can thrive and grow up and have long life. But you've got to submit. You've got to come back and you've got to lay it down. You've got to lay it down. Three things I want to give you real quick. What surrender means. Surrender means letting go. Surrender means waiting on God. Surrender means staying on that prayer regardless of if you know how he's going to answer it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Surrender. Surrender to it. God has a plan for you. And I promise the way to the kingdom is not up. The way to the kingdom is down. If you will surrender, the Bible says, if you will humble yourself, then I will lift you up. If you will come down, I will lift you up. And the Bible says that I will lift you up and I will give you a platform. I will give you influence. I will give you, I will give you all of these things because if you surrender, listen, favor will come on your life. That's just how it is. Welcome home. Some of you, you, you haven't known, maybe you haven't had a church. We want this to be your church. But there are other great churches in this area. But we want you to be plugged in somewhere, plugged into a life group somewhere, having somebody meet you and know your name and connect with you and pray with you. I got four or five guys right now that I'm doing life with that when they go through something or I go through something, we text, we call, we meet. I am intentionally doing life because you can't live it on your own.